0: Well, again, I appreciate your church and appreciate your focus on missions, and uh, make sure that's on there, and your missions month. I got to, uh, on the way here, we uh, watched your live stream service or a recording of your live stream service from this morning, and uh, realized that we're acquainted with several of your missionaries, and and, uh, it's exciting to see what your church is doing for the cause of missions. Let me me introduce my wife, Kelly, right here. She can wave her hand because she looks young like the other girls next to her. (laughs) And this is, this is my daughter, Grace. She's our youngest. She's 14, and uh, she's single. Single. You know, she likes me to say that. She's getting a little grin like, Dad. And uh, let's see. And then this is Brooke. Brooke's 17 years old, soon to be 18. God made her special. And uh, she has about a three-year-old mentality, and uh, she's an awesome part of our family. Today's a big day for her. Today was her last day in junior church. And she's moving up, and uh, we've been working on that for a little while, and so she's excited. She'll be 18 here in December. And then we have uh, we have two boys, uh, Isaac and Noah. Noah's our oldest. And then we have a, a daughter-in-law named Grace, and so we have two Grace Pearlacks in our family. That's a little tricky. And uh, and then we have a grandson who's just about turned one. His name's Judah. And so that makes up our family. And as I said earlier, we are missionaries right here um, to... The United States of America. We're sent out of Harvest Baptist Church in Greenville, Pennsylvania. Um, our uh, our pastor's name is Jeremy McLean. We've got an amazing church right there in PA. We don't get to be there very often, and uh, we travel in evangelism throughout the year. And uh, praise the Lord for that. God, God allows us uh, to be in a lot of different places and meet a lot of people. But uh, I'm thankful to be here tonight. I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize you guys are my kind of church. I just walked in and just just very quickly just talking to a few of you and just enjoying the service online today. And I appreciate um, you serving the Lord. I appreciate you having a Christian school. And as your pastor said, uh, investing in the next generation is extremely important. And uh, we, are, uh, we are very close to losing our entire country because we have not properly passed the torch to the next generation. And uh, appreciate an ACE school. I'm a 12-year product of ACE, and uh, if you don't like ACE, don't don't come tell me, because I like it. And our kids uh, our kids use the Accelerated Christian Education uh, curriculum growing up. And there's two things you can you can meet an ACE person anywhere you go. And there's two things that stand out stand out to me about kids that went through all 12 years of that education. And uh, it's two things. One is character. For some reason, that curriculum uh, instills character in the process of scoring your own schoolwork, and learning not to cheat and getting in trouble when you do, and all of that is part of character building process. And then also goal setting. Uh, you you don't you don't meet a young person uh, too often that did all twelve years of that that doesn't understand uh, how to set some personal goals and to be on time and and. Um, and, and handle their own time well. and So I appreciate your school and the, your choice of curriculum. And sometimes people say, well, it's the only curriculum we can have because we're a little school. And I just, I just assume big schools have it too. And So praise the Lord. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles. I'm supposed to be preaching. Turn, if you would, to 2 Kings, 2 Kings in chapter number 7. And uh, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes this evening, the title of the message is, We Do Not Well. We Do Not Well. And uh, that's a phrase right out of our text tonight. I want to read just a few verses to you, and, uh, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get going here. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. If you have your Bible, if you're there, I want you to follow along with me. In verse number 1, it says this, And then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, In the gate of Samaria, then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Verse 3 says, And there were four lepers, leprous men, at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we... If we say, we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there, and if we shall sit sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us fall under the hosts of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for tonight. God, I'm so grateful to be in your house on this Sunday evening. God I'm thankful that we live in a country where we have the freedom to just walk in here like this and Lord I'm thankful for a copy of the word of God that I can read in my language. Lord I'm thankful for this King James Bible. God I'm thankful for the privilege that we have to just be like this tonight. We don't have to be here but we get to be. Lord I'm thankful for your holy spirit. God I pray that you would use all of this for your glory. Lord, so much you've blessed us with tonight. We're in a nice air-conditioned room and padded seats and a sound system. And God, you've, you've worked all kinds of things out to point to you right now. Lord, I pray that all of this would bring glory to you and point to you and all of the distractions would fade. God, I pray that I would be the messenger boy that I'm supposed to. God, I pray that I would say only what I'm supposed to, nothing more, nothing less. Lord, help me to just deliver the message that you've entrusted me and get out of the way. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate your Scripture to us tonight and you'd individually speak to us. God, I pray that this would not just be some other Sunday night message we sat through. God, I pray that it would not just be some other guest preacher, but God, I pray that tonight you'd meet with us. Lord, individually feed us from your Word and God, help us to respond right. So often we respond, but maybe not the way you'd have us to. Lord, tonight I don't know exactly what you want to do. Lord, I pray that you do what it is you want to. Lord, if it's education we need tonight or conviction or encouragement or a reminder God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you'd feed us each. Lord, I pray that you get all of the glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me back up and tell you what's going on in this passage. You're kind of an unusual set of four verses to read here. Let me just tell you uh, uh, the, the context of this, and then we'll just dive into it for just a second. So so you've got uh, this this group of people that are walled inside of their city, and in the previous chapter, uh, in verse number 24 of the previous chapter, it says, And it came to pass that Haddon, the king of Syria, gathered together the hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And so the, the group of Samaria... Samaria, that, that city uh, is besieged in this way. So you've got Ben Haddon who says, listen, we're going to attack that city, but he does it in a unique way. Instead of just going and climbing over the wall or tearing down the gate or going in and fighting with people, all he does is he goes and he sets up camp outside of the city. They do what their walls are for. They close the walls and they make sure that the army cannot get in. And so now there's a wall between the army on the outside, the people on the inside, the people are safe. They don't have to worry about the army, but Ben Haden's plan is kind of brilliant, really. He doesn't have to give up a man. He doesn't have to fight with a sword. He just says, we'll stand out here and wait. And eventually they're going to need to come out to their fields and get food. They're going to need to come out here. We'll just starve them out. And we'll just wait them out. And so this is going on, and they're in the middle of this big practice, and, and, and I don't know exactly how long this is happening at this time, but it's getting very serious on the inside of the city. In fact, it's so serious, inflation has happened in a crazy way. People are, are eating dove's dung for a meal. Now, if that's not enough, they're buying dove's dung at some inflated rate. I mean, it's bad enough to stop and think, okay, that's what I'm eating for my meal, but then I realize that I, I'm paying for that and I'm, I'm paying at an inflated rate. I don't know what an inflated rate would be, but it's getting so bad that people are, are so desperate that two moms agree to kill their own babies, their own children, and eat their own children. Pretty serious situation. I don't know what it takes. I don't want to know what it takes for a mom to get to that place, but I tell you, it would it'd be a pretty serious time. And here they're in the midst of all of this, and while this is going on, by the way, God's working a big picture. God's got a plan. And God, I, I love God's big picture. Sometimes I don't get to see it. I get to be just a little bit of a part of it, and every once in a while, later on down the road, he shows me. But often, I think God's doing some things I'll never get to see. I'll never understand. I, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking this, at the Wilderness Christian Camp, this is 20 years for me, and, so I don't know where I'm at in my in my life and how long God lets me serve, but I feel like I may be somewhere about the halfway point. That's my guess. I feel like maybe God will give me about 40 years. I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm a young man. I'm in my mid-40s. I, mean, I don't know how long I can backpack 50-mile weeks. I guess some young guys like Joel can take things on, and I can pretend like I'm doing all the work. And I can arrive where they do by four-wheeler. I don't know exactly where I'm at in this. And lately I've been realizing that I might be planting trees and building buildings that that I'll never get to see the fruit under. I'll never get to pick the fruit off of those trees, but somebody will. And I'm excited about it. And God's got a big picture, and God's doing something here that, that the people inside the walls, they don't really understand what's going on. Outside of the walls, not only do you have this big army encamped out there, this, the 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 Syrian army is out there, but you've got some leprous men. This morning, uh, in your in the preaching this morning, I talked a little bit about men with leprosy, and leprosy is a terrible, terrible disease. These men weren't necessarily allowed to be, I guess, inside the city where everyone else would be. Perhaps, maybe they normally sat in the gate and where trade takes place and got what they could get. But they're sitting outside the wall and they're starving and they've they've got nothing and so they they they're talking amongst each other and they say listen if we go inside the city there's no food there we're going to die if we sit right here we don't have any food we're going to die let's go over to the Syrian army and perhaps perhaps they'll just show mercy on us and maybe maybe we'll get some food maybe they'll save us maybe they'll take care of us maybe we'll get a meal if not, we're dying anyways. I mean, sounds like good rationale to me. I I could find myself thinking something similar. And so they they gather together and they they go over and they're they're ready and they're prepared to throw themselves at the mercy of this army. But what they see when they get there is an amazing thing. They're not prepared for what they what they see when they get there. See, God has done this other amazing thing. And so what God has done is he somehow created the sound of of a mighty army coming. Let me read it to you just a little bit. Just follow along with me real quick. Look at verse 5. It says, and they rose up in the twilight. We back up to verse 4. It says, if we say we will enter into the city, and the famine is in the city, and we shall die there, and if we sit sit here, we die also, now therefore come, let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we sh- shall but die. And they arose and went in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syrian, behold, there was no man there. They get there, they're looking for this big army. There's all these tents and all these things and all this food and all of this, but not a person, nobody. Look at verse 6. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And They said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled before their life. So they get there, and, and there's this giant... I mean, encampment with nobody there. They've left behind all their clothes. They left behind all the, everything of value. They left all this food. They left everything. Now, if you remember what we read just, just before we prayed in those first four verses, Elisha predicts that, that inflation is going to be gone, and by this time, by this time tomorrow, trading will be back to usual. And somebody, the Bible says, in whom the king... Leaned on, I don't know exactly what his name is, but he says, "Man, if God opened the windows of heaven, this wouldn't happen. There's no way it's going to be business as usual tomorrow. There's no way everything's going back to normal tomorrow." But God had a plan, and God makes. I don't understand exactly how God does it, and I don't know. I don't know what He does to make this sound. I don't know if if the wind blows a certain way. I don't know if they all hear in their ears separately. I have, I have hearing aids. And uh, my hearing aids, they hook to my phone, Bluetooth. Anybody else out there have hearing aids like that? Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I can, I can carry on a conversation with you in, on my phone, and I can call you, and, 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 and I can hear you in my hearing aids. And so every once in a while, my wife has no idea I'm on the phone or I'm doing something else, and I looks like I'm talking to myself, but I can hear someone on the other end of the phone in my ears. I don't know if God created a sound in their ears or exactly how it happened, but God did it. And they ran for their life. And so when these men get there, they've got some decisions to make. They're they're just just blown away. I want you to notice this. Look at verse number eight. And when the leprous men came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again, and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and did hit it. I want you to notice verse 9, and this is kind of the verse I want to focus on for just a minute. It says, Then they said one to another, We do not well. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they rose and called the poor of the city. And we'll read more of that in just a second. Here's what they did. They went in there, go inside of a tent to eat. They gather up what they can. They go hide it. They go back in. And they're gathering up as much as they can take. I mean, there's just a few people with all these tents. And one guy realizes, wait a minute. We do not well. This What we're doing is not good. Listen, there's people just inside that wall that have never heard what's out here. They have no idea what God's done. They have no idea, and we're just burying this stuff? We need to go tell somebody. We need to get this news out. We need to let the the people inside the city know, listen, there's people killing their children and eating their kids. We do not well. If we, listen, we can't wait till tomorrow. It says if we if we tarry, some mischief could fall on us. Right now, we need to get the news out. We need to let somebody know right now. I don't know if I get tomorrow. I need to let somebody know right away. I got reading this a while back and realized, man, I do not well. There's some news God has entrusted me, and there's people that have no idea, and if you will, they're They're spiritually starving, ruining their families, and they have no idea. They have have no idea that just outside of their reach to where they could if they just knew there's hope. I want to give you some thoughts real quick. If you're taking notes, again, the title of the message is We Do Not Well, and point number one is this. We do not well when we get self-centered. I want you to look at verse number 8. It's easy right in the middle of the battle, in the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of your own life, your own needs to just get focused on yourself. Verse 8 says, And when these lepers lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and did eat it. Listen, God supplied their need But it wasn't just for them. God met their need and God said, hey, this is for you. And listen, all they at first were thinking about is their own need. By the way, it's real easy to do that. I mean, it's real easy to get lost in in whatever, whatever battle you have, whatever car trouble you have, whatever financial battle you have, whatever health problem you have, whatever it is that you, what your need is, and then just to stop. Listen, you ever been late headed somewhere? Someone's broke down on the side of the road, and you have to make a decision. Do I stop and help that person, or do I keep on going? I, I've my, my poor boys, growing up, traveling with me, they've changed flat tires all over this country, mostly not ours. And um, I have had the pleasure of, of leading 12 people to the Lord on the side of the road just because their car broke down when I passed, or just before, so that I could stop and give them good news. Now, I'm not saying that to toot my horn. I'm saying this. I I have this great conviction sometimes when I drive by a motor's broken down. Listen, I may not be able to fix their car. I may not be able to inflate their tire. I may not be able to solve their problem. But I can tell them about Jesus and where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? I mean, they're stuck. Their car's broke down several years back myself and a friend of mine we went to a preacher's meeting evangelist friend and we we were there several nights and we were very excited and finished up the meeting we had to drive through the night to get back to where our families were and and uh we got some fast food and we're going to drive through the night and we were excited i mean just just i mean amped and fired up from just amazing preaching several nights and seeing just i was just on fire and uh we talked about it and I said, listen, if we see someone broke down on the side of the road, he was driving and said, let's not pass them. Let's pull over and and help somebody. Let's just watch for somebody. he kind of looked at me funny and he said, It's three o'clock in the morning. I said, Man, that's that's just prime time. Who else is gonna stop? And uh, we were driving along and there's a van broke down on the side of the road and we just right on by him. And I was like, Hey, do you see do you see those people? And he's like, What people? And I said, We need to turn around. We went back and there's these three Spanish-speaking people on the side of the road, and they were trying to they were trying to read the English directions to figure out how to work their jack, and they weren't able to figure out how to work their jack, and and with what little Spanish I have and what little English they had and a Spanish track, we were able to lead this lady to the Lord on the side of the road, and she got so excited. Her husband standing standing there, he could barely understand. He didn't, he couldn't understand any of our English. She could understand a little bit, and. And she got so excited, she just when she got done, she read him that Spanish gospel track and he got saved. We're standing there thinking, I think he's getting saved. I think he's praying. <laughs> listen, it's real easy right in the middle of what you're going through to just get self-centered and be like, listen, I gotta get where I'm going. I've taken care of this need, this situation. Perhaps maybe God didn't, perhaps maybe God didn't create that noise just for these lepers. Perhaps all of that food, God's got a bigger plan. And by the way, maybe something God's entrusted you is not just for you. Maybe you're the pipe or the channel or the conduit to get it to where it's supposed to be. Listen, no doubt you can't have a a month of missions and someone didn't mention finances. Someone didn't mention giving to missions because, because, listen, Hudson Taylor said this, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. God meets the needs, but guess what he's done? He's entrusted it to us to get it to where it's supposed to go. And so sometimes, right in the middle of it, we get self-centered. Let me move on real quick. We do not well when we get self-centered. We do not well when we hold the news. Look at verse 9. And they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come. That we may go and tell the king's household. Listen, we have this amazing news. God is. In tr- By the way, if you're here tonight and you've got a copy of the Word of God, and you know that Jesus loves you, and God sent His Son Jesus to die for you, you got news that's that's worth sharing. You got something that you should not wait till tomorrow to share. But get excited about it. Praise the Lord. For the opportunity to tell people, listen. We do not well when we hold the news. Now, many of us would could say, "Yes, yeah, I agree with that." But what are we doing? I mean, all these guys could say, "Yeah, we probably we probably should tell somebody." Let's go in the next tent. Let's bury some more. I mean, that's sometimes what we do. We're like, "Yes," and I don't mean this rudely. I don't mean this disrespectfully. But if I asked for a show of hands and said, "How many have a gospel track?" in your pocket how many have a gospel track in your car how many have one in your purse a lot of us would find ourselves unprepared we're we're honestly it's real easy to do listen by the way giving out gospel tracks can be a blast you can have fun doing it i mean it do not have to be boring i remember when my boys were little they were hyperactive little boys and we travel all over the country our home is a big fifth wheel trailer and we'd we'd park in walmart parking lots and they'd be driving sit in the back of the truck eight nine ten hours in a day and a, I'd get them out and walk them around Walmart, just burn off some energy. We had these little, these little I called them happy face tracks. They say, smile, God loves you. You know what I'm talking about, those little tiny ones? One side says, smile, God loves you. The other side just has a smiley face. Do you know people steal those? You can, you can just set one down and come over here. You just lean on the wall and watch. People walk by. They're just curious what that smiley face is. Grab that. It's a blast to watch people steal it. You know what I, you know, listen, my wife would go shopping. I'd have to keep those little guys busy. I give them pockets full of tracks, and we go over to all the pants pockets in Walmart and we go to this rack, put a pair of. They never they never kicked us out. Never asked us to leave. Every listen, we go to the shoe store, why not? Left and right shoe, every box. Put one in there. Hey, listen, you can have fun. Share in God's Word. doesn't have to be boring. Some, some of us, we're afraid. Like, listen, you know, I, you know, that's just not really me. It ought to be. We do not well if we hold the good news. Point number three, not only do we, we do not well when we get self-centered, we hold the news. This goes right along. We already read this in verse 8. When we keep the wealth, Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in the tent and did eat and drink. But then notice what they did. They carried silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. Listen, I don't mean this meanly, but maybe some of us just don't want, we don't want anyone to know it's in our bank account for fear that we might have to give it to missions or someone might feel, listen, listen, God's. God may have entrusted something to you for, for a very specific reason. And it, and it may it may not necessarily just to be to buy a boat or a bigger house. And praise the Lord that God's blessed many people in a way that they can have those things. And, and God, God takes care of my needs and my wants. Yeah, over and above what I need. Listen, listen, God doesn't just always supply just my needs. Praise the Lord. Every need I have, by the way, every need God takes care of. God's got this sowing and reaping principle all through the Scripture. If I do it His way, He takes care of it. And if, if I just do what God asks me to do, he meets my needs in an amazing way. But he also gives me over and above my needs many times and blesses me. You know why? Because I'm his child and he loves his children and he wants to. He wants to. He says, listen, hey, we all like taking care of our children. We all like doing those things. You like buying gifts for your grandkids? Yeah, You you enjoy that. Listen, I'm a child of God and he loves me. I feel like he treats me like I'm his only child and spoils me. I feel like he favors me over you. (laughs) You ought to feel the same way. Listen, God loves me. Listen, he gives me things that I can give away. And he gives them to me not for the purpose of me always just enjoying them. Many times they're so that somebody else can have, so someone else can enjoy. You know, I, growing up, I had a friend I say growing up, even in my adult life, a friend named Harry Wilson. Mr. Wilson was a great blessing to me, much, much older than me. Great example to me. And when I'd go to church, every single time I went to church, I remember I'd see Mr. Wilson. He didn't say a whole lot. He didn't talk to many people. He'd shake my hand and nod. And I didn't really talk to him a whole lot for a lot of my childhood. But he was an example to me of faithfulness. I didn't ever go to church and he wasn't there. He was just there. In his place by the way you can be a great example years later mr. Wilson and I became much closer friends and he became a, a prayer warrior for me and my ministry and I lived in West Virginia he lived in South Florida and in his 80s and 90s he'd he'd call me every month once a month and this is what he he'd say he'd say Jason Harry here I'd say hi Mr. Wilson I'd say I'm just calling to get some prayer requests. You got anything I can pray about? I give him prayer requests, and he'd pray. He called me next month. Jason, Harry here, been praying about this and this and this. You Got anything else I can pray about? One day he called me up and he said, "He said I've been reading in your prayer letter about that chapel you want to build. You build it yet?" And I said, "No, sir." He said, "Why not?" I said, "Because we got to pay for it." He said, you think kids are going to get saved in that chapel? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, all right, let's build it. I'm going to send you a check. And he sent the check to build that whole chapel. But this is what he said, and I told you the whole story for this. He said this to me, and I won't forget it. He said, Jason, I'm getting old, and my kids are going to squander this money if I leave it to them. And. He said, So you gotta be a given while you're a living so you're a knowing where it's a going. (laughs) That's what he said. You gotta be a given while you're a living so you're a knowing where it's a going. Now, I'm not saying don't leave it in store for your children and leave a legacy for your children's children. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he understood that, that he needed to be a wise steward of what God entrusted him. And God entrusted him something, and Mr. Wilson's in heaven today. Young people are still getting saved in that chapel, and I don't know exactly how God keeps track, but it's fruit that abounds to his account. I don't understand how it all works. I'm, I'm indebted to someone who led my grandfather to the Lord, who led my grandfather led my mom to the Lord, and she led me to the Lord, and, and I've led other people to the Lord, and they've led other people to the Lord, and, and somewhere back before I can remember or even know about, somebody's reaping the benefits it's fruit that abounds to their account. I believe we do not well when we hold the wealth, when God has entrusted something to us that could be used for his glory and for other others. And then this last point, I'm done. When we're self-centered, when we hold the news, when we keep the wealth, and then when we ignore the good news. I want you to read a few verses we've not read yet. Look at verse 11. The king struggles to believe this story. They, the lepers go to the porter. The porters go. They wake up the king. They give this information. Look at verse number 11. It says, they called the porters. And They told, told it to the king's house within. And the king rose in the night and said unto his servants, I will, show, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And by the way, when you hear the good news, that if you've ever heard about salvation, that Jesus loves you, and you heard about, about, about forgiveness of sin, you may have re- reacted the same way. You might be here tonight, and, and you're thinking the same thing. This is too good to be true. This is too simple. There's a catch. There's a trick. It says in verse 13, And one of his servants answered and said, Let's, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, there are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. And they took, therefore, two chariots' horses. And the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. Notice in our verse 15. And they went after them onto Jordan, and lo, all the ways was full of the garments and the vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. So what's happening, they go to the king, and the king's like, listen, listen, this, is, this isn't what you think it is. They're laying in wait. They're near their tents throughout in the fields, and the second we open, open the doors, I mean, they're going to they're gonna come after us and attack us some wise person says, hey, shouldn't we check? Shouldn't we just look into this a little bit? King, why don't we we look into it? And they send some chariots and horses, and what they find is exactly what the leper said was accurate. Exactly what, and by the way, I love the fact that God used these lepers. God used men that no one expected to, to bring this tiding. By the way, God God uses us. God uses me. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm a mess. I know me. I'm a mess. You don't really know me. But God lets me serve him. And God uses these guys that maybe other people would look low down upon. And someone says, let's, let's at least look and see if what they're saying is accurate. And they go, and they find out that listen, the blessings were were plenteous, and and God did provide a way for them and God did work all that out and I said that all this to say if you're here tonight and you're doubting and you're thinking listen I don't know if God if this whole Bible thing is true I don't know had a young man this summer nine years old came from Tennessee up with his sister and pretty rough boy sad home sad sad situation is He had come several times during our invitations at chapel and talked to his counselors and talked to other people about salvation. And one of his counselors said, hey, listen, I think you need to talk to him. And um, one evening, snack shop time, he came to me and he said, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, what do you want to talk about? He said, the Bible. I said, all right, let's talk about it. So we went over and sat down alone for a minute, just to the edge of the snack shop area. He said, I have a question. I said, okay. Okay. He said, what if the Bible's not true? What if there really isn't a God? And what if this is just all made up? He's like, what if we had just been talking about God creating the universe? He said, what if God really didn't make all this? And I said, okay, what if? And he said, well, how do I know? So I said, well, I'm not sure exactly how you can know, but I can tell you how I know. And he said, how do you know? And I said that, well, I read that God is a real living creature and that God created this and that that God loved me. and, And I read all of that, but then I began to read what God can do in my life if I trusted him. And so I made the decision to trust God, and then I watched God do it in my own life over and over and over again. And I've learned that what it says is true because God has done everything he said he would do for me, we began to talk about it. Just a little later on, he gave his heart to Christ. And um, I don't like to lead people in what you call a sinner's prayer if I can help it. I often just say, "Listen, it's not magical words. It's not any special words that you say. It's simply confessing that you're a sinner and telling telling God." that you trust him and asking him for forgiveness and for him to save you. And you can just do that in your own words, your own way. And he bowed his head and prayed. And man, just the most awesome prayer. And this is what he said. He said, God, I think I believe it. In fact, God, I know I believe it. That's what he said. and, And he said this. He said, the best I know how I want to be a Christian. God, I don't know how to do this, but I want to be a Christian. Make me a Christian. He asked God to forgive him. And right when he said amen, all the kids have left snack shop now and they've gone somewhere else and there's four or five other staff members sitting at a picnic table kind of waiting on me and him. And he looked up and he looked at them and he said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Listen, I said that this, if you're doubting, listen, go look. Go read the Bible. Go inquire. Don't just say, hey, listen, I understand how this is. And Listen, if the king hadn't listened to the council, the one person who said, hey, let's go inquire and see if this is really true, I want to encourage you. Look, open your Bible. Try God. Test God. God will show himself to you. Ask God. God, God, help me to understand your scripture. By the way, it doesn't just go for salvation. You know, it's amazing to me that we can trust God with our salvation, but we fail to trust Him with the electric bill. I mean, with our eternal state, we trust Him. We don't trust Him with our health. We don't trust Him with what is seemingly small compared to the spectrum of eternity. Listen, go trust God. Try God. And I want to encourage you, as you're thinking about missions this month, and praise the Lord for a whole month focused on missions. And I believe missions is... The heartbeat of the church, it's the purpose of the church. It's not just a ministry of the church. It's why we're here, to reach people with the gospel. And if we're not part of it, we do not well. And if you've got a part that you could be doing and you're not, as carefully as I can say it, we do not well. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer. I'll have the pastor come and close the way that he sees fit. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, what an awesome privilege to be here tonight, and what a simple illustration from these men. God, I pray that you would you continue to work in our hearts. And Lord, as I prayed in the beginning, Lord, I, want, I just want to do what you want. Lord, perhaps while I was preaching or while we were reading the Scripture, maybe the Holy Spirit has individually pricked our heart in some way, perhaps reminded us of something we should be doing, something we could be doing. Maybe there's someone here tonight that you would be calling to be a missionary. Maybe someone you're calling into full-time Christian service, a pastor. Maybe another, another work. Lord, they're inquiring. Lord, I pray that they would perhaps get that settled tonight. Or maybe they would just stop running and just say, okay, God, I'll do it. Or maybe they're still inquiring, Lord, help them to look for you. Or maybe there's someone with a a wallet they're holding on to that they know they should be giving up. Maybe there's some of us who need to stop at the track rack. Or whatever it is that you're doing tonight, Lord, I pray that you would do it. Or during this invitation, folks would respond the way they're supposed to. Or most of all, if there's a lost person here tonight, I pray that through the still small voice of your Holy Spirit, they would see their need for a Savior. They put their faith and trust in you tonight. In Jesus' name. Pastor.